Welcome to Terra Nova. I'm your your host, Jackie. And with my partner, Kendall. Hi, guys. Hey, what's going on, Jackie? So this week, we're going to be talking about this Asian horror film we watched called Nori, The Curse. Just like last time, Sleepaway Camp, the ending, the ending will always haunt me. So... <laughs> So uh, when we dive into what the movie is about, so start with that. Sure. Uh, I'll get into it a bit. The movie is about a paranormal investigator who, yeah, I would say he's different than your average paranormal investigator in that in this film, he's not necessarily like anti-paranormal. Like he's not trying to prove that things are really false. He's more so investigating things with a true investigative eye to see if things are like, if the paranormal actually exists. So people basically call him up and say, hey... Here's some things I'm experiencing. Can you look into it to see if it's real or not? And this being a found footage film, which that, and some people brings up red flags of its own, but to others, some people just go, yay. Like he basically filmed this documentary, filmed the film that we're about to see, and then he vanished, never to be seen again, as far as we know. And the film kind of goes through the story that he's looking into. Yeah, it's definitely a roller coaster how it started, who he is, why he was so invested, like out of all the things that he did in the found footage, well, in this movie, this particular case, he was so fascinated about. He was just so dived into it. He did not want to stop. He kept going, he kept filming. Even when things were getting really hectic and, you know, others was just like, this is kind of unsafe. He was just like, no, I have to solve this. I need to figure out what is going on. Why is this stuff happening? In, in a, and I would say in a realistic way at that, like, I don't know, I know we're going to get into it even deeper, but first impression wise, did you know anything about the film kind of going into it? No, I never knew it. I never knew anything about this movie until you brought it up. It was like, yeah, let's watch this. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, same here. I've never, I've never heard of it. I've never, apparently it's very popular among horror fans. Uh, everyone kind of, everyone loved this. It's definitely more of a mainstream, I guess you can say, like, popularity in terms of, like, horror fans, just kind of everyone kind of knowing it. I've never heard of it despite being a big fan, and I've never seen trailers or anything like that for it, so I didn't necessarily know what it was going in other than that it was a found footage film. And the, the you know, the plot summary sounded fairly interesting. I was like, okay, cool, I love found footage stuff. You kind of get to explore a little bit more found footage, in my opinion, than you would in, like, your average horror film where... You know, I feel like with most films, you kind of have to, you know, you got your settings and all those things and you, and you kind of just kind of stick to those pretty rigidly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like in most horror films, you're pretending the camera isn't there versus mm-hmm. you found footage films. It's like it's very clear that the camera's point of view is the viewer's point of view. and You're kind of along for the ride, but everyone knows there's a camera present. So it's a very different vibe. Yeah, I mean... I, for one, am not a huge fan of found footage. I'm very picky with it. I'm very, very particular with what I like in terms of found footage. But this one, I would say I did enjoy it. Like, I like how they put together a mixture of his his journey, some other clips from other shows that were tying into the story. Like, yeah. this is... it's, And I remember I mentioned this while we were watching it. There's some scenes... But they showed this this um, reality show, I guess, yeah. or the sitcom show where they, they talk about ghost stuff and supernatural stuff. And I mentioned that's an actual show. That's a real show over there in Japan. And they do like all these top tens, top five. They show these pictures, images like, oh, so scary. And I like how they imported that into this film for mm-hmm. just for the, the just for the just for the reason of, of telling the story. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that was that was definitely a good touch, and it was really cool that you mentioned that we were watching it because otherwise I would have known. And it's it's good that it's good that you even mentioned that because one thing I love, not just with this film, but one thing I love about like foreign horror films specifically, you really get into the culture. I feel like of other places, like you know, I'm American, I'm born and raised here, mm-hmm. so I don't necessarily know or fully understand the culture of Japan or pretty much most places outside of America. So it's always great with like films where you kind of get to see a little peek of that, whether they're true or false. It's always good to kind of see an entirely different perspective. So if you went and told me that about that show, I wouldn't even know that that was a realistic show. And that was pretty cool because it added a really nice touch to the film because overall, one thing that really impressed me about this film 
is the way it was done. Like it felt like a VHS, even though the movie was made in 2005. It felt like true VHS quality. It had a few moments here and there where it really looked like bad VHS quality. <laughs> so that was definitely mm-hmm. re- recognizable. And it really, really felt like a true investigation was taking place. And that's not something I could say about most films that even have like a mystery or investigative aspects of it. This movie truly felt like one. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, okay. So, yeah, you mentioned the plot of it. So, yeah, there's this curse. Well, what he suspects is a curse where this this woman wherever she goes kind of like chaos finds her or chaos just throws you know goes everywhere wherever she moves and it involves mostly her and this little girl who ends up being like a psychic and then she goes missing and then his whole mission is where is this girl how does this happen how is this connected and then within the movie you see a lot of clues that leads into like okay this is why it's connected this is why it's leading to this. This is why, like, I should have suspected. Because I like how when he first suspects the woman he sees. And then at first, it's just like, it's just a weird phenomenon. But then as the movie progresses, he's just like, oh, my God. It leads back to her. And then he starts digging more deeper into this mystery, this curse, and be like, what is this? What's going on? Yeah. What is happening? And then, you, uh, and then it opens Pandora box <laughs> into, like, this whole frightening thing that I'm just like I was not ready for yeah it was it was very well done I, I gotta say this is probably this is gonna sound weird and not necessarily insult to other films one of the few horror films not in history obviously but one of the few horror films that I could think of specifically where storytelling was such a heavy device for not just the horror that was happening but for the resolution to everything like, yes. uh, I'm not going to lie. There were some parts in this film where I was even wondering what the hell was going on. Like the, the whole reality scene cut to the girl doing like the experiments with classmates to try to discover if these kids had abilities or anything like that. That whole scene to me, like, why is this in this film? Like that thought, <laughs> that thought immediately mm-hmm. occurred to me. Like, I, I'm not one to, to quickly turn off a film. So I, was, I wasn't going to be like, oh, this is stupid and turn it off. That wasn't going to be my approach at all. But a, a part of me was definitely wondering what the hell does this have to do with the rest of the film? Because prior to that, you saw when he's first getting called because someone living in someone living in Japan uh, had a neighbor. When remember that when he first introduced the lady next door, I remember that she called she called him because she believed that some of the strangers going on next door. She's hearing a baby crying, but they also haven't really seen a baby or anything like that. And then you go next door and you see the lady and you see her I guess you can call it son at the time. And you're just like, well, mm-hmm. Why is she acting so strange? She acted completely strange when he tried to speak to her. It wasn't even like a conversation. It was almost like she was talking like at him, but not to him. It was like a very weird interaction in and of itself. So that was very weird. <laughs> and and he really didn't even have an answer for the neighbor that initially called him about the situation. He's just kind of like, I'm not sure what's going on. We'll just keep looking into it. That was really the best he could do. And then like kind of going from that to then also popping into that the reality show aspect with the little girl who you start discovering she has abilities i know i mean jumping around a bit but then we also had like the other leap where they go into like these like ghostbuster type reality show where these guys are like hanging with this girl who kind of claims to be able to claim to kind of be in touch with the other side and they're like taking her through taking her through a i guess you can saw like a, a kind of like a graveyard throughout some of these parts i was like i was tuned in to see what was like how it was gonna piece together but a small part of me was really wondering the fuck are they doing in this film like it's just (laughs) jumping into into places that you i'm not i guess in a way i wasn't used to a film doing Mm -hmm. so like did that did that throw you off too or did that kind of like make you perk your ears up what what was your kind of feeling about that yeah i feel the same way because i felt like it was like okay we're gonna show you this because we introduced this, so we're going to tell you, show you why we introduced this person, why we're interested, why we're showing you this person. Because the first time we meet that girl in the, real- in the reality show, which I'm still amazed that she played herself. Like, I'm very <laughs> like, wow, she, she played herself. Like, she played her own, like, that was her. That was her real name, her real everything. Yeah, and, she did have a few um, actors. Mm-hmm. And I like how they did certain, they did something with that, with that scene in particular, where like when she went to another show, this other psychic guy 
who we yeah. saw in the beginning of the movie as well. And we see him in this one. We're just like, whoa, we just saw that guy. And then he warns her about something like, stay away from this, stay away from this. And then when that happens, you're like, oh, that relates to what we just saw earlier. Yeah. Like this film definitely felt very comfortable in itself with the way it was telling the story, which was, which really threw me off in a way, I guess, because I I don't, like I said, in different cultures, you kind of get different ways of telling stories. So I'm not going to say that there aren't any American films that have told stories in that fashion, but I guess it's not such a norm here that I was like fully used to where it was kind of taking me. I was just like, well, I'm going to trust the ride, but I don't know where the ride is going. And um, the, the character that you mentioned, uh, the guy who was like the super psychic, that everyone was just like, wow, he's like the best psychic in the world. Um, I was actually reading a few different things and someone made a really good point about his particular character, which occurred to me, but people kind of pointed out, they were like, he he may be like, he may have abilities, but he also may like partly be mentally ill. And I was like, that that thought kind of occurred to me watching it just because of the way he was acting. Like, cause I don't think necessarily his abilities made him crazy, but it's, you, you know, like there's a, there's ability, then there's like kind of how you fit into society. And clearly the way he was acting didn't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily mesh. You get what I mean? Like it, it wouldn't necessarily... No, I felt that it. way too. But one one really interesting thing that someone pointed out about it was that like the film took his character seriously. Like he wasn't like the butt of the joke or the butt or the joke of the film. The film was like very comfortable with like treating him as a serious character and treating him as somebody who was like an important part of the story. And I just, I just wanted to highlight that because I was really interested in something that didn't occur to me when I was watching it. Yeah, he definitely made a very, he was an important character. Because the beginning, it was kind of weird introducing him. It was just like, okay, what is this guy? And it's, it's funny you mentioned the mental health, especially with the articles, because um, at first I did think that as well, when he was saying how he's hearing certain voices, he was hearing the voice of the little girl that was missing. And I was just like, does he have schizophrenia? Like, that was the first I thought. I was like, okay, he's probably schizophrenic. But yeah, like at first you just think he's he's this you know, eccentric man who's a psychic, but then, yeah, he becomes a very important person throughout the entire movie because essentially they needed him and he assisted them and he did have a greater purpose. Like, you know, he was the key to finding where this girl was who had her. So, yeah. Yeah, and they made made the connection that his... The girl that went missing who had abilities was his, is his daughter, which was a really, was mm-hmm. a really interesting, like, oh, wow, that made sense. Because they, they could very easily just kind of been like, no, she too has abilities. But they, I, I kind of like that they tied it to him to kind of go, well, he had children, which kind of makes you kind of makes you wonder about um, his life before everything that he was doing. You know, he's wearing a tin hat, tinfoil hat, and he has his whole house wrapped in tinfoil. So it kind of him knowing that he has a child kind of makes me wonder a little bit of what his life was like prior to a lot of the things that are happening. Like, was he a was he in full control at some point and did things kind of like broke and he kind of just kind of had to be on his own? Like, or did he feel he needed to separate himself from family? Like, just because of like the seriousness in which the film was willing to take his character, it just kind of makes me ponder about his backstory outside of even events that we saw unfold, which is really cool for that for a character that seemed like he was just kind of going to be like either a joke or just kind of like an inside joke that the whole cast was on. I can remember, remember when he introduced him to meet the girl who went on to the, who was on the reality show that went to the grave, the grave site that like said she felt a touch on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. And he introduced him to kind of like see if he senses anything around her that he like attacks her. I was like, wow. Oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's that one. I was like, once again, I was kind of thinking, well, why is this scene in the movie <laughs> outside of like wanting us that there's something yeah. wrong with this girl. But then I also didn't expect his character to kind of move forward from that and still be a big part. I thought he was going to be more so like, um, you know, how every horror film usually tends to have that one person who can see everything that's going to happen, but then they're not a part of the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to kind of end up being that, but apparently they decided to keep him the whole way through, which was really cool. No. Yeah. It was, it was definitely cool. And the other thing, the other thing um, I enjoyed of this movie was that it kind of felt real. Yeah. Like you real. see found footage. Yeah. You see found footage movies and you're just, just like, okay, obviously, obviously this is, isn't real. It's just an imagination of someone created, blah, blah. And not many movies do that. Mm-hmm. Like very few found footage can make you go, did this really happen? Is this real? Like, 
is this a real case? Is this this? Is this that? You know, are these based on real people? Yeah. Did something like this similarly happen? And from beginning, when the movie starts, it does it does start off as in this is a case that's open. This guy is missing. This is what we found. So you try to piece it together. And the way yeah. they presented the movie did feel like you're watching something on on a show where like you know like like unsolved mysteries that's what yeah. it felt like i felt like i was watching an episode of unsolved mysteries and you're just like oh my god like i like how they did that and again as a person who is not a fan of found footage i was a fan of this movie so i can see why people label this movie as one of the the best found footage movies or like one of the scariest you know and to be honest, I'm not even sure if this kind of story works without the found, the effect of found footage. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like if you if you took that element of the film out, then it would kind of just be like a film where we start bouncing into like random different events of something that's happening. Like we, we already talked about, he, we jumped into like two different reality shows. We jumped into the, the story that he's investigating. We've jumped into all of these different aspects. And the, I feel like the, the upside, I know some people say that found footage can be lazy, but the upside is in, in a way that found footage kind of lets you know the results you're working towards. So like with mm-hmm. an opening with like, well, his house was burned down and he went missing. And this is kind of what we've discovered about the case that he was investigating prior to him vanishing. It already kind of sets up a, a sinister ending in a way of like what's kind of to come. You're just kind of trying to figure out why and how and how do we end up here? And I'm not sure if this kind of film would work without that effect because then otherwise all of those events that we've seen unfold that seem kind of random would just, in my, in my opinion, seem like random scenes that were kind of set up versus something that leads into a bigger story that we know is supposed to like end with a very sinister feeling. Yeah, I mean, you're right. If it ain't, if this wasn't with the found footage element, honestly, this would just be another supernatural movie, another ghost story movie, another, you know, like, oh, no, we awakened this curse. Now we have to figure out how to stop yeah. this type of movie. We've all seen that a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, way too many times. <laughs> way too many times. I also, like, the thing that really stood out to me which me and you both, like, we, we were researching and stuff, and we were, well, because we just had a lot of questions. It was really cool that the, the director just created this entire, like, folklore story and mythology around, like, the demon. Uh, that was, like, really cool. That was, that was really, that was, like, really cool. I forgot how you say it again. Is it, like, Kagutaba? I think that's how you say it. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. Like, wow, you have to be that creative. But then again, remember, this is the mastermind who gave us Juwan and the Grudge. Oh, yeah, it is the same guy. This is the same man who gave us those movies. So I'm not surprised. And those two are based on actual Japanese folklore. Those two movies on real things. And I like how with this one, he did create his own universe. But it, it kind of centered on some folklores that in Japan they really do believe in. And that's another thing, too, about movies like this, because you do get a glimpse of how the culture is over there, because the, they're very superstitious. You know, they're very superstitious. Like, age, like over there in Asia, they're very particular with folklores and over urban legends and ghost yeah. stories. Like, you speak about it, they'll either shake or they'll be like, we don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. Like, they truly believe in this stuff. They're truly, like, do not mention, do not talk about it. And, yeah, like, that's, wow. That has to take a lot <laughs> to be, like, I'm going to yeah. be my whole universe, my whole universe center about this. Yeah, because it felt, it, like like we kind of said before, it felt so real. Like, considering you also, at one point in the film, talks to a historian about it because, you know, he starts to... Once he heard, he heard the name of the demon on a recording, he starts to do more research into and if anything, if anyone's ever heard this name ever, and he ends up talking to a historian who starts to explain to him just anything that he knows about that name and about the demon that's supposedly associated with that name and the village that used to worship that demon and how they used to like kind of summon summon the demon to kind of do their bidding. And then at one point, it didn't necessarily uh, listen to their rules, so they kind of casted it out for the most part and they kind of had like a weird relationship there 
and just like the way they set it all up, they're like the, the village used to exist, and then now it kind of didn't because of a dam that was passing through, and they all kind of got kicked out. But then they had the uh, the shrines that they kind of would use to worship spirits. And uh, one really interesting note that I didn't even realize um, that someone kind of mentioned in a random article that I kind of read off the beat. But someone was talking about how like the shrine that they use to like contact spirit. They said that a, a reason why, um, part of the reason why the demon might have had the power that it did, aside from the fact that it's a demon, is that since that town was no longer there to like worship and kind of regulate the shrine that they had dedicated to it, it was essentially corrupted. And that was what kind of led to some of the power. And I thought that was a really interesting like aspect. I didn't necessarily get that while watching the film, but I was like, that's a really cool idea. Yeah, because that's how it is over there too. From what, um, from my other, from what I understand, from research, not particularly just for this movie, but in general in culture, because um, they have so many shrines anywhere you go: China, Japan, mm-hmm. Korea, anywhere they have shrines. And there is that whole notion of like, if you don't pray a particular way or a particular day or whatever, then it's just like, oh. Be careful you don't curse yourself. Be careful you don't do this. Like, I, I love that. Because, again, it makes it feel real because that's yeah. a real thing. That's <laughs> a real thing that, that they believe in. And that's a terrifying thing to tell you the truth because, like, me not having, me having, like, the outside of mindset and never experiencing that or, or even, being, even being super religious myself. Like, I'm not very religious. I believe in a lot of things, but I'm not necessarily religious that's a really interesting aspect because i think of like you can think of like just say christianity for example uh, like i couldn't imagine what the belief system would be like if like if we believed that if by not believing in god you essentially corrupted your community that's pretty much what they're getting at right like by not believing or not mm-hmm. praying or not worshiping as a community you're essentially corrupting like everything around around you and because if you think about it, actually, even on a bigger scale, now that just hit me, if you think about the corruption, it's like the, the girl who, who, well, the woman who has the child that she keeps bouncing and moving from place to place. And the investigator discovers throughout the course of the film that she's lived in several places. And that's why some, some of these insane events have taken place, whether it was someone committing suicide or murdering someone. She had kind of like an imprint on all of these locations. That's, I feel like in a way, that's kind of like them saying by them not taking care of this one community and this one shrine, it essentially corrupts everything you touch, which is insane. Yeah, because like in the movie, you know, spoiler alert, they, they showed the shrine, they showed the shrine back when it was intact. They showed the ritual they do to cast out the spirit they believe in. And the historian has said the hell. They don't know what happened. They don't know why it happened. Where they did the they did the um the the ceremony like how they always mm-hmm. do. But for some reason, that woman who was you know I think a teenager at the time yeah. when she partook in the ceremony, she was possessed by the spirit. And they were just like we don't know. They still don't know why or how it happened. And yeah. It, yeah, it could be because the town was going to be torn apart because of a dam they were building, I believe. And mm-hmm. because I guess they didn't have, you know, like whatever to, to save the town, I guess that was the spirit's way of saying, well, I'm going to take my revenge by doing this. And because they never cast it out of her properly, yeah, everywhere she went, chaos happened death happened the curse yeah. kept going from town to town to town to town yeah i kind of can't believe leave that nugget now that you that you mentioned about how they kind of view culture that way that just kind of sh- shapes everything about this film the comparison i would say is you know an american people say a lot of time americans have a me culture and then japan mm-hmm. and some parts of asia have a lot of more of a we culture where it's like everything yeah. you do will reflect the society that you live in. That's kind of what they believe far more than I would say America does. That's not even a knock on America. That's just like the culture in general, just how they are. Like I've heard of different people, friends who have even visited like Japan and different parts like that. And if you made the mistake of like throwing trash on the floor, the, everyone would look at you like you have five heads. <laughs> they would just kind of be thinking like, mm-hmm. who raised this person? Why is this person doing this? Like very much so a community over self persona as a society. And that kind of, shapes everything that they do yeah that's really that's really cool thinking how that fits into the elements of this film and how everything they did kind of worked that way right like you had the tenfold hat guy 
who's a psychic and he's he's trying to kind of he's warning people of like he's warning the investigator at least of this like oncoming essentially apocalypse he kind of makes a scene talking about the ectoplasmic worms and all of that stuff and it's it, it seems like a joke luckily the once again the investigator kind of takes it pretty seriously because he's he's not a He's one of my favorite parts of the movie, honestly, the, the, the investigator, because he's not a he's not a douche. He's like he's not an asshole. And he's not like the normal kind of a paranormal investigator you would expect in these kind of films. Like, you know, a lot of the time it's usually someone who's like, yeah, I kind of believe, but I haven't seen proof. Or maybe I've I've seen one or two things, or like I've dealt with a hundred cases, mm-hmm. none of this stuff is real, and I just kind of do it as a job. Like that tends to be kind of the personas that a paranormal paranormal investigator fits into in these films. But he is very much like an investigator. He's very much like taking it seriously, seriously enough to get answers, but not so serious that he's a fanatic and like over the top crazy. And but not so joking. He also doesn't take it like a joke where he's like, I don't believe people who tell me that things happen. And I think that really sets the tone for the whole film because he's just as much of a believer as the viewers. And that's really cool. That's really well done. And I think the reason why he's like that is because this is his field you know in the beginning of the movie they said to how like he's done stuff like this before where he investigates someone saying oh um the ghost of my daughter is is visiting me or i'm seeing a ghost here that's his job yeah and when it evolved something like this where people were getting people were getting killed people were getting hurt yeah he had to take it seriously because he was just like wait this isn't just an average, you know, like ghost hunt tale. Like this is something real. This is something happening. And he had witnessed it with meeting that that woman and the yeah. child. And then the first witness he meets, she tells him, we've been hearing a baby crying. It sounds like it's 50 babies. It sounds like this, this and that. And when he first meets that woman, you know, he has his sound guy. And he takes it to a sound editor and says, hey, can you play this back for me? What do you hear? And you hear these babies crying. And when he goes to see that witness, he finds out she died. And that's when he's just like, okay, this is something different. This isn't like my typical cases. Something is going on here. And I need to find out what and why. Yeah, it was it was definitely unfolding in the somewhat... It was it was interesting how it was unfolding. There was also like I don't know what's truly unfolding. Like, because <laughs> I think of even the uh, the very the very first opening scene. Remember they show the lady from, uh, like frantically on the floor, flipping out with the mask on, and you, you literally have no idea what's happening because the film just started. And you know you find out later that that's actually the woman who's been moving around and all these people have been dying, and she has a child with her. That's not actually her child. It's just a child that she has there. It's it's really it's really cool. Like I don't know, I could, I could kind of compliment this movie forever, but it's like a lot of aspects of it are really interesting. <laughs> like I think it's I think it's really cool that this movie is comfortable with you not knowing something because there is definitely you definitely leave this film with questions. Like uh, just an easy one, but like the the that scene with the fetuses was insane. That was that was like what what the, what the fuck is this? Like that was crazy. That scene was insane. Um, and then between that unfolding while the lady the girl who was like possessed and having all these bad things happen freaking out like that was all insane and just like the ending the very ending with like just kind of i know i'm jumping ahead but like so like yeah how it all kind of wraps he decides he finds the he goes to the house of where there's the lady who's been who's been involved in all these murders happening around her he goes to her house he discovers she's dead the house is in a wreck looks like a tsunami that's what they came through there looks insane how the house house looked crazy uh you find out that she has been taking like illegally aborted babies and like trying to feed them to this demon, which that was like such an insane <laughs> revelation to, to stumble upon. Mm-hmm. That was like some next level stuff. I was like, in, in my mind, I was like, I can't even picture that. And that's one thing this film does a lot of is like, it's not a jump scare kind of film. It's not that kind of film at all. A lot of it is you kind of imagining the terror of the situation that they're describing. That's really like, you don't even see like outside of that scene where the, with the baby fetus just kind of crawling over the, the psychic girl. Outside of that scene, there's not really any like mur- like visible murder or like visible deaths really on screen. A lot of it is you 
kind of reading the paper, almost like someone in that world and discovering this terrible event that took place, which is far more terrifying, I think, than just kind of like showing a hanging. It's impressive. Yeah. I mean, back to the whole, yeah, the back to the whole fetus scene, like (laughs) that scene was just like, oh my God. I remember that. Oh my God. Just uh, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It was insane. It was just so, it was, it was insane and shocking. That's what it was. It was shocking. And then it does kind of compliment the tinfoil guide when he was just like, oh, the worms, the worms are crawling on her. Because he said that many times. He was just like, I see her and I see worms crawling on her. And you're just like, who are these worms? And then you find out it's fetuses. That's what he's talking about. And then, yeah. And then you find out later on that she needed that little girl as part of her ritual to bring out the demon back to awaken the demon or to unleash it because when he goes to the historian he sees all these papers and then it says a description on how to awaken the demon and it says you have to have a very powerful psychic have her covered in like sacrifices and then that's how it emerges in flesh and it was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, this is some dark stuff. Like, OK. And I don't even think it's funny because like when the um, when the investigator is filming, because that's the one thing too about this movie. He never turns off the camera. He never stops filming. So when he's in the woods and everyone's freaking out, the actress is being possessed. The tinfoil guys is like, oh my God, I see her. I see the girl. I see the girl. He goes and you see the tinfoil guy looking at this particular shrine without the camera viewing it. You see nothing. And then once he picks up the camera, like the investigator picks the camera, he sees what the guy is seeing. You see the little girl. The missing little yeah. girl covered in fetuses in front of the shrine. And then when it pans away, she's gone. Oh, my God. I remember I was telling Kendall about this. I love how they did that because it, it's like real life. We were doing a double take. They're like, wait, did I just see that? Did that just happen? Yeah. Oh, they did that so well. Like, oh, my God. That's the one thing I loved about this movie because not <laughs> many movies can do that properly. And this one nailed it because they really made you go like, wait, should I rewind this? Did I really see what I saw? Like, what? Like, ugh. So good. So brilliant. Yeah, it was it, it was very, very well done. And once again, like I would say that the film very much so is comfortable with you not knowing all of the answers because mm-hmm. this, this is just my opinion. But then also there's kind of some parts in the film to, to kind of support this. But they, he mentioned, I, I can't remember if it was a historian or if it was possibly the scroll that he was looking at near the end inside of the lady's house where he found the boy. They, they realized they said that people used to, they, the people used to feed um cut kabuta that they used to feed a feed it monkeys they used to feed it monkeys for food and that was kind of how they appeased it and in this particular case the the, the woman who was a part of that virtual who was now like pretty much moving death she she decides to feed it aborted babies and that the, the thing is that the film did never said really said whether or not that would work. It also never really said whether or not that was even like the appropriate sacrifice. It was just kind of it seemed like it seemed like the folklore that he came up with, and this is really clever too. The folklore that the director came up with was evolving in the film in real time, which is really mm-hmm. cool. It's re- which is it's really really interesting because like because once they, I remember even that part where they mentioned feeding in monkeys, I was like, oh, they're not feeding. They're not gonna feed the monkeys, but then the moment they kind of you know, introduced the idea of like the aborted babies, I was like, "There's no way this lady is feeding something <laughs> aborted baby. Like, there's no way that that is the thing that she's using." And they're like, "Yeah, she was. We just kind of, she was kind of vanishing, and we never thought much of them." And I was like, "Oh God, it's like that's what she's using to feed this thing. That's crazy." And also, but I was also curious, like, would that work? But it, it's, I don't even think it seemed to be a matter of whether or not it worked. It just seemed to be a matter of what the demon felt like doing because it wasn't being contained yeah. by the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to not just Japanese culture, but like any culture that involves like witchcraft or whatever, where 
if people did certain rituals or spells and something was needed, they would be like, well, what's the closest thing to this that we can use? What's, what's like, um, That's a good point. A, not a knockoff version, but like, what's another thing you can use to replace this just for this ritual to work? And I guess in her mind, she was just like, well, I can't go out and find monkeys, but I guess the closest thing to baby monkeys or whatever are fetuses. So I guess that's why in a sense it did work because essentially he did come out. She did awaken him. She did bring him into the real world in flesh. That's yeah, I, I, I guess you're right. Like I, I didn't think about it necessarily that way, but you, you are definitely right. And honestly, even then like the, the lady who was, who's kind of like the, at the head of all this drama, would you say, they didn't necessarily like try to explain it, but would you say that she was kind of possessed the entire time? Like was the spirit the so. inside of her the entire time? That's why the stuff was happening. So either it was so? possessed, like either it was, either it was inside of her or it definitely manipulated her actions, but it was, it was definitely around her. Like it definitely touched her as she traveled. Like it, it latched onto her for sure. Yeah, I guess that would make the most sense, especially at the end of the film when they kind of reveal that the demon is inside of the kid, which is why all of this, which that's the only conclusion I can draw as to why all of this stuff was even done, was to reawaken the spirit inside of somebody in human form. And it just so happened to be that kid. Mm-hmm. So like that, 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 I guess, I don't know what made that kid special. I don't know what made that kid special enough to be able to like kind of contain that kind of thing, but that was... That was definitely not necessarily what I expected. I kind of thought that they were aiming to put the demon inside of the girl. That was my my initial thought throughout most of the film. I didn't consider that Me she was a teenage boy. Yeah, I did too. I had the same thought as well. For the boy, though, I feel like he was just a manifestation of the demon brought to flesh. Because when you first meet that woman, she has a child. And... I think they mentioned it too. Like, I think he had like kind of asked that question. The investigator was just like, how come no one has went to investigate this child? She, he's never been to school. He's never been over here. Like she just yeah. kept him like that. That's like, ha- why has no one ever went to check on the well-being of this child? Why hasn't anyone taken her away? And there was an article that mentioned that. And it was just like, well, it's kind of hard to deal with that when it's it's like... A supernatural child because you know it's going to be manipulation like oh i'm fine nothing's happening mind your business um yeah and you know at first you don't really focus on the child like you do it for one second you're just like oh my god i wonder what the child is going through with that crazy woman And then as it progresses the story unfolds and then you find out that the child was the center of everything. Like he was the one pulling the strings. He was the one doing everything. And you find that out until the very end when the camera does that trick where it's just like, did I just see what I just saw? Yeah. That just happened. Or am I seeing things? With his face, like, you know, kind of like, you know, all like, like formed or morphed into the face of the demon that these villagers worshipped. And it yeah. was just like, wait, what? That just happened? What? 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 Yeah, that was that was a that was a crazy reveal. Like I definitely rewinded that a few times. Because <laughs> for that the movie definitely did that a lot. Where it would try, it would kind of show you something for a split second, then not. And a lot of the time the stuff that they split, showed you for a split second was very important. Because even and I like that even they even let the main character react to that. And the, the final scene where, you know, he decided to adopt the kid and then the kid's kind of living with them now, which I ain't gonna lie. That part to me, that part was crazy. Man. He adopted the kid. Like, I get it. This kid it went through a lot of stuff. But man, you are a brave soul to adopt the kid who just went through all of that. <laughs> There's no way you could have paid me any money in the world to, to then adopt a kid who's experienced the things that that, that kid has seen. So that, that the main character is a hero just for that in and of itself. But, you know, he, he him and his wife decided to take yeah. the kid. And they're, they're treating them well. And then the psychic, the psychic guy, his name was like Harry, 
he pops up again at the like escaping the asylum at all the events that happened a few nights prior. And then he's kind of like, it's here. The spirit is here. It's in the kid. And he kind of pushes the guy to the side and like attacks the kid with a rock to kill the kid. Only it doesn't work. And then the kid gets back up. And after the main character, the journalist, after trying to beat, stop the guy from doing it and being pulled off and then helplessly having to watch the guy beat the kid with a rock, the kid kind of comes back to his feet and then he just sees the camera on the camera for a split second. His face just kind of morphs into like the mask that's on the cover. It only happens for a moment. And then it just kind of shifts back. He's like not even sure fully what's happening, what happened or what's even happening. And then there's like a weird psychic thing that goes on where the, the guy like sees the spirit of his dead daughter. And then he's like taken over to say the least. And he walks out with the kid. And the main character's wife then just kind of looking possessed, like walks into the room, picks up gasoline, starts pouring it on herself and sets herself on fire. And that's how the house ended up on fire. It was like really crazy. Somehow the main character got out and left and just got away from the whole thing. But it's insane. It was was a crazy like resolution to everything. Yeah, because, yeah, and and it was also revealed the ending of the psychic was also killed the day after he left the child. So obviously the oh, yeah. killed him. Um, and then after everything had happened, the wife's house was, you know, put in flames. They said the how like, yeah, the investigator was missing and the boy. They no they weren't sure where they both went. So after the ending, I was just like, oh, it's going to be like that woman all over again, where he's probably going to travel with the kid, you know, from town to town to town, <laughs> you know, unless he figures out how to destroy the boy or whatever. But, but yeah, it was just, uh, it was crazy. And yeah, the investigator, he was so nice. Like even the actress who was also like dealing with stuff around mm-hmm. her, he brought her to his house too. It was just like, okay, we're yeah, going to take did. you home. We're going to take care of you. Honestly, during that movie and Kendall was a witness, I was just <laughs> like, that ain't me. The me moment neither. stuff was happening and she was just like, ah, I was like, nah, I'm out. I'm out. You, you, this house is yours. I'm out. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm done. I'm seeing pigeons like crash into the wall. No, yeah. I'm out. Uh, I ain't staying with you. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't have never brought her home. That that, that would have never happened to my house. Uh, the moment I was, I'm like, yeah, we need to figure out the solution to this, but the solution is not in my home. You would not stay in my house. <laughs> I was like, we would find you a hotel for a few weeks or something, but you cannot stay here because I don't know what is going on. She was waking up in the middle of the night doing all kinds of stuff, holding things. She was doing all kinds of weird things. There is no way I'd let that woman stay in my house. Yeah, and the first like the first time I think the wife was filming, and you know they're eating a nice dinner, they're laughing, and she's just like, "Oh, let me get more of this, you know, this drink or whatever." And she goes, and then the wife is just like, "Are you okay? Why are you standing?" And she just stood there. She was just yeah. standing, her head all tilted. She was like making a weird noise, and then all of a sudden you see pigeons like crashing into the wall which the tinfoil man warned her too he was just like whatever you do stay away from pigeons yep and it happened the pigeons were crashing at that moment she was just like oh my god oh my god oh my god wake up wake up wake up i would have left her there sorry (laughs) i would have been like i'm no i'm leaving my possessions i would have called my husband yeah i called my husband and be like um so a thing happened I'm okay. I think she's possessed. I'm gonna go somewhere else. See you at home or whatever. Bye. Yeah, I don't blame you. That, that, that was, that's too much. I, I can't imagine half of that happening to me. So yeah, there's there's no way in hell I'd have dealt with any of that. Well, we we already talked about like we've been talking for for a while, and we can forever about how much we enjoyed this movie. This is really that good. I guess I kind of have a question mm-hmm. for you, just about like found footage films in general. In general. Do you think like the genre as a whole is kind of played out or is it lazy? Like what, what do you kind of, how do you view the, the space? Um, well, like I mentioned, I think it depends. It depends how it's done. Cause this was really done well. And I mean, I could mention a whole bunch of other found footage movies that I did enjoy, like Cloverfield. Cloverfield mm-hmm. was amazing. 
I watch that movie repeatedly, even if, even if it's on TV with commercials. I don't care. I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. And I think I even own a DVD. I think I own it. I have to check. And it's like one of those movies where I just like watching because that also was really well done. Um, okay, so I, I think it depends. I don't think it's lazy. Yeah, I don't think it's lazy. But again, it depends on the direction. If there's no solid story, if they're just using it as in, oh my God, look what I saw, look what I saw, ha 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 ha, then it's just like, okay, we get it. We get what this movie's about, just get to the point. Yeah. Like, just get to the point already. Or like the Blair Witch Project, that was a really good found footage movie because that also felt real, like this mm-hmm. one. Where I, when I was a kid, I saw it. I looked it up. I was just like, is this real? Oh my God, is this the real thing? Oh my God, like it made you feel like this was real. Just like Nori. And so again, it really depends. It really depends. Like, I don't think it's lazy. I don't think it's it's played out. Um, well, I think at one point it was a couple years back, maybe like two, three years ago where everything was found footage. Mm-hmm. And that was after Cloverfield was done. And then everybody was doing a found footage movie. And then it was just like, okay, get it. I'm not for it. But it yeah. really depends on the story. It depends on the direction. And it depends on where it's taking you. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, because yeah, this one, Nori, it did great. Because I yeah. exactly... <laughs> It really made you feel like it was real. Even when it ended, even when the movie ended, there was no credits. There was no oh, yeah, credits wasn't. with this movie. It was just like distributed by blah, blah, blah. It ended as if you're watching Unsolved Mysteries. Like the case is still open. And that was it. That's where it left you at. And again, not again, as someone who does not like found footage, this was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that because, like, I'm 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 one of those people. Like, I I don't mind finding found footage. Like, if anything, depending, like you said, depending on the story, you, it'll make me more likely to watch the film because you can just you can try such interesting things with found footage. It's almost like someone made it. It's almost like a how do I describe? It's almost like a journal. Like it really is. Like you're doing a found footage film is almost like writing a blog post or doing a journal. It's like you can mm-hmm. kind of tell a story in a way that's like non-linear. Like it can kind of be in order. It can kind of be what things happen before, things happen after. And and it kind of can even let you get away with having like gaps in the story because you're almost like, well, that we didn't see that. So we've only heard about that in passing. And it's, I, I, guess, I guess I could see why some people would say it was lazy because you don't have to shoot a thing. But I think, you, in my opinion, I think you only have that viewpoint if you you are one of those people that need to see everything and you kind of don't want your imagination to necessarily roam because I've, I've seen a lot of good found footage films. I would say a ton of horror films I've seen that were really good found footage, like whether, yeah, Blair Witch, Blair Witch Project is a good one. I wish I caught that in theaters because I watched it years later and I was like, oh, this is pretty good, but I kind of wish I was, I like caught on with the hype of it at the time. Uh, Paranormal Activity is an obvious one. Uh, I've never seen Cloverfield, but I've always heard about how good that one is. Um, Paranormal Entity, mm-hmm. which was like kind of a parody of Paranormal Activity, but entirely different. Like there are a lot of really good. It was horrific. Footage. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was something else. That movie. We, we might have to talk about that one. Review that one at some point again because that movie was something else. But uh, yeah, I feel like as a genre, you could just do so much. And I, and somebody, someone somewhere I read or something, someone put it really well. But they just said that found footage is essentially, in a in a way, the evolution of film as a medium. They were, they were like, they were, they were like, I'm not necessarily saying that it's the best way to do a film. They were just kind of saying, you know, due to the history of where, like, you know, in books, you're able to, characters are able to, like, discover things that they didn't necessarily experience firsthand. Because that's really what found footage is. It's, it's discovering something that you didn't experience yourself. So in books, mm-hmm. not- notably in books, you can do the same thing where, like, you can write a story where, like, a character stumbles upon a letter that was written by a character that they're looking for or something like that. And from that secondhand account of like reading the story, they can kind of go, oh, this is why this character had these motivations. And you can do that with like tons of different things. And someone just tried to make that point that that is what found footage essentially is to to like films now, not just horror, but films as a whole. 
it's just kind of another mm-hmm. way of playing with the medium. And there's probably going to be more ways that people play with the medium in the future. This is just one aspect that we've approached to. So I, I love it. I hope we keep getting them. There's a lot of good ones. And I'm sure there are more good ones we can find out there. I, I love it a lot. Yeah. And the thing about realism with found footage, like we can't forget how it originated. And the story, the story is still wild. <laughs> you know, Cannibal Holocaust was the first found footage movie. And oh, they yes. did it so well. They did it. Yeah, they did it so well marketing that, yo, they were about to arrest the director because they really thought he killed <laughs> those actors. And the only reason why they thought that is because he made his actors and staff sign the contract. You can never be seen in film or TV for a year until after the movie comes out. And because of that, the whole Genius. world thought they were watching a snuff film. They were like, oh my God, he killed these people. Oh my God, we have to prosecute him. And when they put him to court, he was just like, they're alive. You don't believe me. Let's bring them up. And they were in video chat. They were calling. They were like, yeah, we're alive. We're, we're good. We're, we're not dead. And that's why that's I say genius. like Nori, they did it so well because I really thought that man died. I was like, is he really missing? <laughs> like, let me look him up. <laughs> I really thought that like, again. That's how you do a good found footage where it makes you, the viewer, believe, oh my God, this really happened. Is this real? Yeah, you really live in that world for a while. It's, it's amazing. Well, I will say we can definitely keep talking about the movie forever because <laughs> that's how much we enjoyed it. I don't even think we need to, I don't know, do we need to go through a rating this week? Like, we, we, we both love the movie, so there's not much to really say. The movie was shocking, it was terrifying in its own way. Do you have any final comments on it? Um, the pigeons, man. Watch out for the pigeons. We got mad pigeons in New York, so more watch out for them the pigeons. New York pigeons is different, so more of the story. <laughs> watch out for pigeons. <laughs> that is the more of the story. So we're going to get out of here, guys. Next week, we're not sure what, what movie we're going to review yet, but I'm sure we're going to have a blast talking about it. And I love sitting here talking with my co-host, Jackie. So we're going to get out of here, Jackie. You can say bye to these guys. Ghost goodbye. <laughs> I love that. Ghost goodbye. All right, guys. This is episode two of Terra Nova. Have a good one. See you next time. Bye.